The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm John Janetta, and I bring you greetings from Heartland Family Service in Omaha, Nebraska, and Council Bluffs, Iowa. And I'll be your host for the hour. Today we're going to talk about journaling, why every leader should do it and most don't. And to help us have this conversation, we have with us today our very special guest, Dr. John Price, who is the author of three memoirs, Daddy Longlegs, The Natural Education of a Father, Man Killed by Pheasant and Other Kinships, and Not Just Any Land, A Personal and Literary Journey into the American Grasslands. John's also an English professor at the University of Nebraska at Omaha, and he and his family live in Council Bluffs, Iowa. We invite each of you in our listening audience to join us in our conversation by calling 1-866-472-5790. You can also email us by clicking on the email host button on our show's landing page right under the bookmark show link. So thanks so much for joining our show today, John. It's always helpful, I think, to start off the show by um, telling our our listeners a little bit more about you. I know I I put up a little bit of information on the um, show site with your bio and what have you, but... Uh, maybe you could just um, tell us a little bit about where you started and how you ended up teaching English and writing memoirs. Sure, and thanks for having me on the program. You bet. Um, I grew up in uh, central Iowa uh, in a small town there. Um, and originally, and I talked to my students a lot about this, originally I, uh, I didn't think about writing as, as a career. Uh, I didn't understand really the significance of writing. Um, but I did understand and appreciate creativity and reading and books, and there were many times in my life where I relied on them for perspective and solace. So I think that carried over into my life in college. I started out in pre-medicine, uh, but began to take some literature and writing courses, uh, particularly nonfiction writing courses from some great teachers there, and really fell in love with that, with that form, with that, with that process. And uh, so that's where I, where I started with the University of Iowa, and um, uh, ended up being uh, getting the job here at UNO, uh, where I teach a wide variety of nonfiction courses, from memo writing to travel writing to uh, spiritual nonfiction uh, to personal essay writing. And when along the way did you actually um, publish your first memoir? Then, well, in my first individual memoir. It's interesting. It kind of relates to what we're talking about today. I was in that transition from the sciences to the humanities. And you can imagine some, some folks in my family were not too happy about that. <laughs> I bet not. <laughs> they were hoping to have a doctor in the family. Um, and at the time, I was, about, I was in my late teens and early 20s, and I was working at a hospital uh, with terminally ill children. And I was in a writing class, uh, kind of by accident, and a teacher invited us to write about the workplace. And um, that assignment uh, forced me to kind of wake up to some of the experiences and thoughts and feelings I was having in that place. And one night in particular.
and I began to sketch down my thoughts, feelings, emotions, um, not just about what was happening in that moment with my patients, but also just in my life at the time, making connections between those two things. And I started writing the back of prescription slips, and it just all started to flow out. That eventually shaped itself into a a short little memoir that was uh, uh, one of my first publications. And then from there, you've now published three. Yes, three books. That's right. Three three books. Yeah. So that was that was you know it was writing is a long term, a long term journey, and it was a while before I thought I had a book project going, but. Um, I had to overcome some self-doubts, uh, and we'll talk about more of that, I think, during our discussion, uh-huh, but sure. that idea that our life isn't meaningful, isn't uh, worthy of writing a book about, to sh- you know, sharing our thoughts and ideas and whatever wisdom we have with others, I had to get beyond that before I could actually sit down and engage in writing a book that I thought um, I could share with others. You know, since our show is uh, all about leadership, um, before we kind of delve into the topic at hand, um, a question we always like to ask um, our guests, because I think it really helps our um, listeners get to know a little bit more about you, is um, who would you see as a best example of a high-impact leader, or maybe someone that you would say is um, like the best leader of our time? That's a tough question, but I have to say the Dalai Lama. Really? Yeah, I think... um, you know, he's someone who um, has changed the world in his own way, and I think great leaders want to change the world in small and great ways, and he's done that. Uh, he's faced great adversity and self-doubts and pressures, uh, and yet in the midst of all that, uh, he's offered uh, himself and others a positive vision of change, and he's often done that with humor and with gentleness and kindness. And I think that's a real model for powerful leadership. Yeah, it sure is. So let's talk about journaling. I think um, many of us, uh, especially if we've participated in any sort of a leadership training, have been told it's a good thing to do. Yes. Um, why is that from your perspective? I mean, what would you say are the benefits just in general for journaling? You know, I often think back to um, when I'm facing that question, and I face it a lot, even though I journal quite a bit. Why does this matter? I go back to Henry David Thoreau. Some, many of our listeners will be familiar with him. He wrote a book called Walden that was published in 1854. That was based on a journal that he kept during a sporadic, uh, essentially, camping trip out in the woods near his home. He has a quote in there that's very famous, but that I return to a lot. He said, I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life and see if I could not learn what it had to teach and not when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. And I think that journaling, journaling is about living deliberately, living intentionally. I think it's about taking account of our daily lives, our thoughts, our emotions, our, our beliefs, our experiences, both positive and negative, and then applying what we've learned to some of the challenges we face in the present world. And without that deliberate reflection, I think we too often end up uh, making the same mistakes or getting bogged down in the same problems that not only negatively impact ourselves but also others. So journaling can offer us a posit- some positive alternatives uh, for responding to those old problems and questions and challenges and help us engage the world around us in a positive and intentional way. So we probably do this without journaling but not nearly as maybe succinctly. I mean, I think 
think about, you know, when I go to the gym and work out, I'm jogging on the treadmill and I'm yeah. doing some of that. I'm thinking about it, but I bet I'm missing a lot of yeah. really valuable information because I'm not keeping track of it anywhere. That's exactly right. I think we have these thoughts and moments of wisdom and, and insight and perspective, but we often lose them because we don't write them out down. We don't take record of them or take account of them. That's why, you know, I, I recommend that everyone have writing material close at hand. I just have a little tiny moleskin notebook that I carry with me. It's pocket size, and I take it wherever I go. So when those thoughts and ideas come to me, I have a chance to write them down. And then I go back to them later in my journal uh, when I can have time and maybe de- develop them further. But you will, you will forget things. You know, it seems intense. It seems unforgettable at the time. Uh, but you will forget them unless you take, uh, take note of them. You know, I, um, I've teased my younger sister for years because um, she, my, I think it was my mother gave, gave each of us a book called Codependent No More because she realized that somewhere along her life journey mm-hmm. that she had some issues with codependency and yeah. figured she'd yeah. probably pass those on to us. So she gave us this book. Well, my sister actually never read it. She kept giving it to other people that she thought could use it. <laughs> I used to tease her about that all the time. And now I find I'm kind of in the same situation. So I just want to be really transparent and tell you that um, even though I advocate journaling, um, I, I've really never been able to develop the habit to do it. Uh, well, I developed, you started then? Yeah. I, well, you know, I developed this internal leadership academy here. And uh, every year we have about 20 of our employees go through it and I facilitate it. And um, I started off by giving people, and, and, and I would encourage people the very first seminar, okay, you know, journaling is a really good way to develop your leadership because yeah. just going through these different experiences we're going to go through over the course of the year will be interesting, but you won't really develop as a leader if you don't take time and really deliberately, like you were just saying, um, you know, try to figure out how does this apply to you? What can you take from this? How, does, right. how will this help you grow? That sort of a thing. That's right. So I just give them a blank notebook. Then... I, I wasn't seeing very many people taking advantage of that, so because I don't require it, I just because as adult learners, I think they have yeah. to make those choices. So um, then I think a couple, uh, the next year into it, I gave them a journaling guide, uh, uh, just some like tips on how to journal sure. and um, maybe some ideas on how to get started. And then um, after every session, I'd give them some questions so it could be more of a structured journaling, at least to get started. Sure. And uh, But I think maybe about halfway through, I ran out of time, and they didn't always get the questions every time, and it was a little <laughs> disjointed. Um, but the last couple of years, I've actually put the whole thing together, all the questions right at the very beginning. They have the whole thing all ready for them to use. So I'm, I'm doing all this stuff to try to really help facilitate and encourage people to journal, and yet I don't do it. <laughs> well, I think that's true of a lot of people. You know, I know in your work, you know, you're giving a lot to others. And I know there are a lot of leaders out there in the nonprofit area and elsewhere who give of their time and talent, so much of it to others. And they don't take the time to give to themselves. And I think journaling is, it's not a chore. It shouldn't be thought of as a chore. Um, I think it should be thought of as a gift to yourself. Quiet time to do some reflection, free of all the expectations that you normally have, the high standards that you're imposing on yourself and others in the workplace, where you're free to be yourself and work through your thoughts, emotions, ideas, and and insights. Um, So you're right. You become aware of those patterns um, so that you can anticipate them and in some ways control them and focus them in a positive way in your work environment and in your personal life. So so when you journal, I mean, I I guess, you know, when I... I just like really quickly think about journaling. My first thought is, okay, I, I 
get out a, a pen or pencil and some paper, and I write the date, and then I just write everything that happened. Yeah. But that's really more of a diary, isn't it? Well, I don't, I mean, I don't what, know what exactly if I make a, a distinction between those two. Um, uh-huh. You know, I think what sometimes people get stuck on this idea that, that journal, and journaling has, journaling, both a journal and diary, that term has some connotations, I think, shut people down sometimes. They think it's a formal event. And, you know, I want people to know that a journal does not have to look like those Victorian journals where every sentence is, is brilliant and beautiful, right? Uh-huh. Um, journals can be, uh, and often are and should be, a mess. And my journal is a mess. You know, I don't write in full sentences. I write down fragments, images, pieces of thought. Sometimes I go back and do extended reflections, but sometimes I don't have time for that. And I just want to get down facts, right? Well, here's what Mm -hmm. happened to me today. Here are some things I saw that were interesting, memorable. And then if there's time, um, I'll reflect on the meaning of those things Um, during that journal session or in a later journal session. But it doesn't have to be that kind of formal moment where you sit down with the quill pen and write out beautiful sentences. Uh-huh. Um, but at some point, that, at some point that, that's, that's where you're really getting the benefit is after you've jotted some things down. It's kind right. of going back and digging in and yeah. trying to harvest what, that's what was exactly in there. Right. That, Those two things, right? Taking uh-huh. account of the facts of your life and then reflecting on the meaning of those facts. And both of those two things have to happen at one point. Uh-huh. Um, well, th- this has been really interesting, John. Um, we are going to um, take a short break. And uh, when we return, uh, I think maybe then we can start to explore some of the barriers to journaling and maybe some of the uh, breakthrough strategies that are helpful in overcoming those barriers. Great. Great. So uh, please stay tuned, and we'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Health costs companies a lot more than just benefits, premiums, and health plans. Think about the underlying cost with not having healthy employees in the program investing in the future. Creating Wealth Through Health, host Susan Doherty will discuss employee wellness programs, how staying healthy affects the bottom line, and how to get your team engaged in better health as a way of life. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Hi, welcome back. I'm John Janetta, and I have been uh, talking to Dr. John Price about journaling and its many benefits. And now we're uh, going to transition to um, explore some of the barriers we experience personally with developing a sustained habit of journaling. Um, so, John, in your experience, what, what is it that keeps people from journaling? Well, I think there's some very basic things that keep us from journaling. Number one is time. You know, I think we're all very busy people. Um, especially leaders who are responsible for others and have a full work day. Um, and we often can feel that we're too busy to set aside time for quiet reflection. And uh, that quiet reflection is essential to our, to our well-being. It's about taking care of ourselves. And we need to treat it as uh, being just as important as anything else we're doing in our lives. I, con- I compare it often to exercise. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we're told we have to exercise. We're told about the benefits. We know about the benefits, but we still don't set a time for that. And we have to do that. We have to prioritize it. And it's the same way with journaling in that quiet reflection time. Um, I think we're also exhausted. We're tired at the end of the day. We're tired in the morning. We have other things going on. And we fill those quiet spaces with other things, TV, entertainment, sports, whatever, you name it, um, because we're trying to escape our lives rather than live inside them in an intentional way. And I think we need to practice at, you know, minimizing those escapist tendencies and using the journal to be more present in the moment inside our the details and experiences of our lives right now. And then finally, I think um, um, there, there's fear. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about the high expectations we have for ourselves and um, we need to treat our journals as a place to escape all of that. Um, we need to shut down the critic. We need to shut down the negative voices inside our head and outside our head and just be ourselves on the page. Be free to explore those ideas and thoughts and emotions. Um, that fear of failure, that fear of being um, less than perfect, um, I think can interfere uh, with our ability to do that in journaling or even to do it in the first place. So that's important, getting around that. Uh, and that begins with acknowledging that our life matters. Uh, our life, our health, our internal health, our external, uh, our physical health, our mental, emotional health. Um, and the details of our lives have wisdom, wisdom that we can learn from and that we can share with others and help others with. So that's where I think it begins. So um, I imagine you have some sort of a habit around journaling. What does that look like? Do you have like a set time of the day that you do it? Does that seem to work better? You, I mean, know, you mentioned I before you carry it around where I do do or that. whenever. Yeah. Um, where I do set aside time. It's usually at the end of the day when the kids are asleep <laughs> and there's a pause. Um, uh-huh. And that's when I usually do it. However, that's not always possible. And I think this is another barrier to journaling and just to writing in general. I think people have been told that if they don't write every day and they don't write at the same hour every day that, um, that they're not writers. And, and so they get discouraged. And I, I, you know, there are times when there are days where I don't have a chance to journal, um, where you know, things are just overwhelmed. I have to live. You know, I have to pay attention to the relationships that matter to me. 
Um, if that happens, I make sure to set aside some time the next day to do that journaling. Um, if there's five minutes here, I'll sometimes jot down things. Ten minutes there, I'll jot down things. Sometimes I'll have several hours to to really immerse myself in reflection and thought and description. Um, but I think, we, we again, we can't get caught up in this idea that 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 there is a set way to do it. There's a right or wrong way to do it. The main thing is to just do it and to give yourself, treat yourself with kindness and forgiveness and give yourself a little freedom. So if I wanted to, I could just, I could type it. I wouldn't have to actually use longhand if I didn't want to. That's absolutely right. If, you, if you're comfortable typing out a journal, great, do that. You know, I'm kind of a pen and paper guy. Um, and I like to, I like to use different colored pens and, you know, things like that and, and uh, you know, sit down and write it out freehand, but that's just me. Other people are very comfortable with the computer, and when they're at work, that's the writing tool that's readily available to them. Do you think it would work to just, uh, like, talk it into a tape recorder or a digital recording device? Absolutely. Uh, when I was, uh, we were living in Iowa City, and I was finishing up my graduate work there, we, um, we actually moved to a small town that was about an hour away from there, and I would uh, take a recorder with me, a voice recorder, and record thoughts, ideas that came to me during the commute. And then later I'd listen to those um, and, you know, write some things down if I could and, and learn from them. So you could um, basically, uh, a, a creative way to get around the barrier of time is make use of the dead space. That's right, exactly, exactly. And we find out there's actually quite a bit of dead space. Uh, yeah. And, there are lots of opportunities uh, for us to do this kind of work. Uh, we're just not taking advantage of them. Um, and then, you know, for the people that maybe do get started but hit that point where maybe they just can't think of what to write, uh, you know, I'm sure as a, a writer you've probably experienced writer's block. Does that happen with journaling? Or if, if nothing else, just write about what happened that day and then maybe other things will happen or come along? You know, I think that's, that's exactly the advice that I give. Um, writer's block is a, a point of discussion among a lot of writers, and it, it can be a very real thing oftentimes. Um, but it's a little bit, you know, again, you compare it to um, exercising. Um, sometimes you have to run, run through the cramp. <laughs> you have to work your way through the thing that's slowing you down, that's trying to stop you. So the biggest piece of advice is just to write. And it begins, I think you're absolutely right, with just a simple question. Um, what did I do today? Yeah, what, what did, did I, I do? do today? Now, sometimes along the way, as you write, um, some prompts will, will sort of, some short assignments or prompts will present themselves to you, and you should give yourself the freedom to follow those wherever they lead. Um, you know, they can be uh, in the form of a problem or a question or even a person in your life that's been bothering you, nagging at you, um, whatever. The journal provides you a chance to slow down your thinking about that uh, and work towards some larger understanding of it. Maybe not resol uh, resolution, but um, um, at, least, at least a little bit of more understanding of it. It can be something lighthearted. You could have heard a song on the radio that reminded you of your teen years. Some of us want, don't want to go back there. <laughs> um, you can create a writing exercise around that song. Um, who were you when you heard that song, uh, when, you, when you first heard it? Uh, reuniting with that earlier self, um, their dreams, their goals, uh, and thinking about how you've grown and changed over the years. Uh, it could be a large question, like, um, 
what I believe, right? And trying to try to engage that that question. Uh, whatever it is, it should be um, a meaningful and hopefully uh, pleasurable assignment um, for which there is no right or wrong answer. So you know, if, if once you've written down sort of like the things that happened to you on that particular day or that particular event, how do you get to that and further analysis? I mean, if do things just sort of pop out at you, or um, where, where does that inspiration come from? Yeah. If you don't see yourself as being inherent, inherently so inspired, I guess I don't know. Yeah, well, it 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 often comes in stages. Sometimes not during the first sitting. And this is the other th- important thing about journaling. It's not only important to write in your journal. It's also important to review it, to read it. Oh, yeah, that was going to be my next question. And how often do you go back and how far do you go back and read and that sort of a thing? You know, I, I try to do that as often as I can. Um, and I'll just open the journal up to a random page. You know, and just, off, you know, sometimes there'll be something that I know I wrote about, the, you know, the previous week or mentioned the previous week. And, and now I have time or I've been inspired to go back to it and think about it a little bit more. Um, but sometimes I just open it up to a random page and see what I wrote about on any given day. And there might be something there. Um, sometimes I'll go through, um, I'll sit down if I have a little more time, and I'll do a brainstorming exercise where I just let the, write, the writing flow. I, I shut down any kind of internal critic. You know, whatever comes out, comes out. Then I'll pause, I'll look through what I've written, and I'll use maybe a different color pen. This is why pen and paper are important to me. But you can do it on the computer as well. Uh, and I'll highlight or I'll circle things that stand out to me. Images, memories, thoughts, um, insights. And I'll just put that at the top of the next page. And I'll just dedicate the next writing session to that one thing, whatever that is. And, you know, by the time a half an hour is up, and I t- sometimes put time limits on it. Um, I'll give myself five minutes for brainstorming and then pause and, and, and go through and, and find more stuff to write about and give myself an additional ten minutes. By the time, you know, half an hour is over, you've, you've done a lot of thinking. You've done a lot of writing and reflecting. Um, do you ever use um, visual entries? You know, I've, I've heard of some people... Um, you know, doing that instead of just writing things out, or maybe it's a combination, write some things out and then maybe draw pictures or diagrams? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, one of my first, I think the, one of the first moments I fell in love with creativity and art was, was when I read comic books. Uh, I was a very visual person. In visual arts, I was an artist. Um, I, I painted, I drew. That was my way into creativity long before I started to write. So, yes, um, I'll sometimes sit down and, uh, you know, sketch out things. Um, I'm a nature writer, so I'll take my notebook with me. I'll sketch things I've seen in the natural world around me. Um, or I'll just doodle and see what and see what comes out. I think that's kind of a natural thing. Um, sometimes I'll go to an art museum. You know, we have a beautiful art museum, as you know, here in Omaha, in the Joslin. And I'll go there and I'll just look at the paintings and write what, I, what they inspire in me. Um, I'll go to a movie, I'll go to a play, you know, and, and, and then do a journal entry or a journal response following that. So, yeah, I mean, those, that kind of inspiration can come from a lot of sources that are outside of ourselves. So you could have a journal entry one day that might be nothing but a drawing and then maybe later have some 
interpretation or thoughts about yeah, absolutely, that absolutely. You know, let those let those ideas and feelings flow in whatever way comes naturally to you. So journaling can be can take many shapes and forms, and um, there's lots of um, strategies out there that can really help us overcome those barriers of time, exhaustion, and fear. That's right. That's right. And I think also relying on other people too. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, engaging people around you. Um, you know, my family plays a big role in that. Um, we often, as families do, recount legendary stories from our history sure. and laugh about it. Uh, and, uh, you know, there are lots of moments like that that have ended up in my journals and they ended up turning into books. Well, we're going to take a short break, and when we turn back, when we get back, we'll um, talk with you, John, more specifically about maybe how you and your family have journaled. You started kind of going down that road just now, um, include, um, including your um, success at writing three memoirs. Great. So please stay tuned, and we'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. the boardroom to you voice america business network leadership matters is brought to you by innovisions need to improve leadership staff or organization performance contact innovisions today for quality effective and affordable leadership staff and organization development training coaching and consulting services call 858-244-8264 that's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. What are the reasons that over three-quarters of small businesses fail within three years? Why do 70% of U.S. women-owned businesses make less than $50,000 a year? What causes mid-sized companies to stagnate? Although today many fundamentals of business remain the same, there are critical current changes that are not being acknowledged, and the result is costly. Tune in to Moving Forward with host Jen Sabin. We'll discuss the core reasons and plans of action to keep your business moving forward. Listen Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Thanks so much for joining us today on Leadership Matters. I'm your host today, John Janetta, bringing you greetings from Heartland Family Service in Omaha, Nebraska, and Council Bluffs, Iowa. And with me today, I have Dr. John Price, author and English professor at the University of Nebraska at Omaha. 
you know, John, before we uh, continue with our conversation, I wanted to um, read the um, sort of a summary of your last book, Daddy Long Legs, uh, The Natural Education of a Father. I thought it might be kind of a good, um, well, I just think it'll be a good intro to this next part of our discussion. Mm-hmm. So th- this is, um, th- this is uh, the um, sort of the summary. John Price appears to have thrown in the towel. He spent the last year struggling to support his family, neglecting to spend time with his wife and children, and becoming increasingly cynical about the degraded state of the natural world around him. After a heart attack scare, however, his wife demands that he start appreciating all the good things in his life, their mouse-infested old house, their hopelessly overgrown yard, and most of all, the joys and humiliations of parenthood. In his quest to become a better father, Price faces many unexpected challenges, like understanding his grandmother's decision to die and supporting his nature-loving son's decision to make their home a no-kill zone for all living creatures. Still, he finds the second chance he was looking for to save himself and perhaps his small corner of an imperfect yet still beautiful world. I, I want to read that because um, at, at this point, I think it'd be great to talk a little bit about the um, maybe more specifically to you, what the benefits of journal, journaling are. And I think from just reading that really brief summary of your latest book, it sounds like the benefits are uh, amazing, it, you know, in terms of all the um, sort of understandings and um, connections that you've been able to make just as it uh, relates to your family. Yeah, that's true. Um, as you say, I'm a memoir writer, and there's a lot of discussion about what memoir is and what it isn't, but what I feel it is, is it's about tracing uh, the sources of our ethical lives, our cherished values, beliefs, um, experiences, feelings, um, where they've come from, how they've changed and evolved over time, how they continue to shape us, and how we might use them to um, engage the, the present world around us in a more effective and positive way. Um, and all my memoirs have come out of uh, journaling in one form or another, and all of them have focused in in one way or another on my daily life in place, my relationship to home, to family, and those things. But, you know, I think all of us go through various cycles where we feel in control, we feel happy, we feel um, satisfied, and no matter what we do, um, um, how we journal and how we reflect, we, we end up going through periods of, of challenge and despair, and that was the case uh, with this with this book. Um, it's a book about fatherhood, uh, but I think as you as you read there, uh, it is about also waking up uh, to the beauty and significance of um, our seemingly ordinary ordinary lives, and that was life or death for me. And I think this is true for a lot of people. Um, I let a lot of stresses, a lot of anxieties build up, most of them having to do with work. I was uh, working on a book at that point that didn't seem to be going anywhere. Um, We also uh, were a single-income family, struggling to survive that way, and I know I'm not alone in that. And uh, those things caught up with me, and I suffered a heart attack scare, which I'm sure was uh, was stress-related. So I used my journal during that time period in a way that I, with a kind of intensity and urgency that I never had used it before. Um, How long ago was that, John? This was back in 2006, so it's a while. 2006. Um, And I used it to work through those emotions, which were interfering with my ability to effectively function uh, in my personal and professional life. And that process changed my life as I confronted uh, those fears uh, and those doubts, some of which went back to my childhood, 
but I also confronted some surprising sources of hope and joy uh, that I had been overlooking in my life as well, much of it having to do with my relationship with my children, but also with my grandmother, who at the time I was kind of trying to check back into life. She was checking out. She, 92 years old, and she decided that you know the medications that she were taking, which she was taking, were causing her a great deal of discomfort, and she didn't want that anymore. That's not how she wanted to end her life. So she went off the medications. The doctor gave her about three months to live, and that's pretty much what she had. Uh, but she she ended her life on her own terms, and engaged in some very hard reflection about that life, and shared that wisdom with me, and inspired me to do the same in my own life. You'd think I would have known that as a writer mm. by then, but I needed to be reminded. What a great gift! Yeah, it was it was a great gift. That's right. So, um, you know, when you write memoir, you. you when you read them, there's lots of like very specific descriptions and even quotes of conversations. Yes. So when you're journaling, are you journaling to that level of detail, or is the writing, it's presented as though this happened exactly this way, but it's really, I mean, it's your best sort of now recollection yeah. of how that happened? Well, it's different depending on the memoir. Um, when you're talking about deep childhood, you know, you're often not walking around journaling or with a tape recorder when you're seven yeah. uh-huh. or eight years old. So you have to engage memory, and you have to check that memory against the memories of others and, and do your best. Uh, this process was different. This was uh, one of the most difficult books for me to write because it was so close to where I am right now. Sure. And, but one of the benefits was that I was keeping a detailed journal during that time period, and I had lots of other grown-ups around me, my wife, uh, family, and others who, who you know, witnessed these things and who I could have conversations with about them and then do more journal writing on that and the meaning of these things. So, so, you, um, so when you're doing that level of journal writing, are you writing word-for-word word verbatim quotes of conversations, or are you just saying, well, we talked about X and we talked about Y? Uh, sometimes both. Uh-huh. You know, sometimes I, I do a brief summary. Sometimes I do detailed dialogue because um, I want to get it right. I mean, uh, my, my contract with the reader is that I'm, I'm going to do my best to tell the truth about that experience. And... Sometimes that is uh, drawn from journaling and my own memory of those events, sometimes from the memories of others. But it was very, uh, my book came almost verbatim out of those, out of those journal exercises. So you talked about your grandmother deciding to go off her medications and then you know, within three months passing away. At the time as you were journaling that, was it, because um, we had talked about, wow, what a gift, did you feel like that when you were journaling, or did that happen later as you were reading your journaling and writing the memoir? That's a really good question. You know, I think sometimes it takes uh, time for us to truly appreciate uh, what transpired uh, during those big transitions in our lives. Um, and I think both, both it, was, it was the case that at the time I felt there was something very significant happening. And I think when we sense that, uh, it's important for us to write down our thoughts and feelings, even if we don't know exactly what they mean yet. We just know something uh, important is happening. And that's how a lot of my journaling was during that time period. And then, yeah, on the other side of it, you know, months later, years later, I saw things I didn't see in the moment, and I brought that perspective and wisdom uh, to the to the memoir. I think one of the misunderstandings about memoir writing is that it's about the past, it's really not about the past. I think journaling is the same way. It's really about who we are now 
in our needs right now, the questions we need to be asking ourselves in the moment here. Uh, and we are going back and harvesting um, those experiences and thoughts and emotions from the past so that we can make use of them now as we move into the future. So, yeah, did I know that something very important was happening at the time? Yes. And did I... Uh, did her wisdom and her advice uh, and her insights help me in that moment? Absolutely. Um, but I had an even greater appreciation of that a few years later, and I brought that to the book. So the, pra- the, the practice of writing a memoir was further sort of cathartic in that you're able to go back and learn even more from those journal entries. That's that right. And what that was an meant. important step. Um, because um, this is another step that, that I think our listeners should consider. Uh, journals and, and diaries are private places, and that's very important. You know, we have to have that privacy and that sense of freedom. But at some point, um, I think you should consider making a gift of that, of that writing to others. And I think many of us have been on the other side of that gift. We've, you know, a, a, an elderly relative has written down their thoughts, their life, you know, the story of their life and given it to us. Or we've discovered a journal from an ancestor and learned something important, not just about that ancestor, but about ourselves. So at some point, I hope we step outside of ourselves with that journal writing and make a gift of all or just a portion of it to, to others. Well, you know, you bring up a good point about, you know, it's really, and the more we, and the more we talk, the more this is really evident, but the fact that Journaling is most successful when you really dig in and unearth your deepest thoughts about your experiences. Right. So um, now it might be that it would be good to, at some point, write all that up in a way that could be given as a gift to your family or friends or whatever to be helpful. But there still might be some of those private thoughts in there that you really wouldn't want anybody That's to right. read. I mean, maybe maybe somebody just really pissed you off one day and you just sort of <laughs> let them have it in the journal because you would never want to say that to them because you respect them too much or you love them. But it, you do just need to kind of get it out. And once you've That's done right. that, you can start to kind of fish through that and see what's really in there can that person own and what could you act on to make it better. Or maybe it's just an issue of, you know what, I just need to say it and then I can move on. There's nothing that needs to be addressed. That's right. But, but you have those things in there. So... That's one of the things, when you talked about fear about journaling, that's one that I think about sometimes is if, if how do I keep myself honest in the journal <laughs> if someone could come along someday and read something I've written that I would never, ever want anyone to read about? Yeah, that's an important point. Well, I think, first of all, you have to shut out that fear. Um, if you're going to be truly honest uh, with yourself in a journal, you have to do your best to try to trick yourself into believing that that's not an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and also keep in mind that you, you control it. You control the information that gets released. Hopefully that's the case. Um, there are also other ways that you can create kind of code language for yourself. How often, if I'm doing what you're doing, <laughs> as you just uh-huh. mentioned, about talking about real people, I'll often use pseudonyms uh, oh, or sure. disguise, um, disguise identifying features. Uh, so I know who that person is, but it would be very difficult for someone reading the Anyone journal else. to figure that out, even the person I'm talking about. <laughs> No, we're going to take another short break, and then when we return, we'll gather your final thoughts on journaling and maybe some of those next steps uh, for those of us who haven't been journaling to get started now that we're so inspired. Sure. So please stay tuned, and we'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, and Inspiring Solutions.
Business Community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning into our show today. I'm John Janetta, and I have been talking to Dr. John Price, author and English professor at the University of Nebraska at Omaha, about journaling. And now we are so sufficiently inspired, we're ready to get started. <laughs> so, uh, you know, John, I was thinking while we are in the break that uh, my wife and I, we joined the Peace Corps right after we got married, about yeah. closing in on 30 years ago. Wow. And um, neither one of us had uh, developed the habit of journaling, unfortunately. Oh, no. We had a lot of time uh, without electricity or TV or anything like that. I, I think I read over 100 books, and uh, we wrote a lot of letters. Oh, and what was, what was cool is that a lot of our family... I kept those letters, and they gave them to us. They oh, gave them that's back wonderful. So we've got literally a whole drawer in this closet that we are in this um, dresser drawer, uh, that, uh, dresser that we keep underneath the stairs. And um, I keep thinking someday I should take all those out because I think it would sort of be the basis of a, a memoir. So yes, I, I think there could be a lot of really interesting information there that could be mined uh, in sort of a post-journaling kind of a format. Is that is that... Would that would you consider that journaling or is that something? Oh, absolutely. Totally I mean, journaling is such a it's 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 an it's a process. It's not a thing, right? It's um, letter writing. I mean, emails can provi- can provide all sorts of uh, material um, later on down the road. Uh, what a what a treasure to have those letters. I hope you and your wife sit down and go through them sometime. Um, and yeah, maybe maybe put them together into type them up. Um, uh, just as they are, uh, without worrying too much about revision and thinking about it as a gift to your kids and um, to the future. Yeah, I think they'd get a kick out of it. 
you know, <laughs> you know, going back to leadership, because that's, again, what this show is all about, you know, you, you hear about with leadership and leader, leadership development, um, as you read memoirs of other successful leaders, are these crucible moments that people have. Yeah. And, and that's what I when, I, when I think about journaling, I think about how that really can be a benefit as we understand those crucible moments, because it's one thing to have a, a crucible moment, but it's another to really figure out, well, what does that mean to me and how is that going to impact my leadership going forward? Yeah. So um, what advice would you give to the public and nonprofit leaders who listen to this show who are inspired now to get started keeping a journal? I mean, what could be some things that you would suggest? Okay, you've never done this before. Here's, let's start small and here's what you should do and then, and then here's where you can go next kind of yeah. thing. Well, I think it begins with, with just a basic question. Um, what have I done today? <laughs> That's where it begins, um, and it, it, you know, use the writing material that's that's ready at hand. I, I would I would recommend, I mean, I recommend that people go out and buy a nice notebook. Make this an event. You know, make this something special. You're getting started on a very important journey um, of taking account of your life. Um, so go out and get a nice notebook, a nice something, uh, whatever, um, to start writing down those thoughts uh, and ideas. Um, and you're right about those crucible moments. Um, I think we often don't recognize them when they happen to us. That's sort of that can also be misleading in literature. You know, those moments of uh, epiphany. I talk a lot about that in my classes. Suddenly, I realize this. Um, that's not often the way it happens. Sometimes those crucible yeah. moments occur over days, over weeks, over years, and we don't recognize them until we take the time to pause and reflect. And when we do that, we recognize that this was a, a time of immense and important change for me and insight for me. And here's what I learned. And here's, uh, and this is the other important thing, I think, for leaders out there, is to take what you learn and apply it to what's going on now. Um, how can I take what happened to me in the Peace Corps, <laughs> the experiences I had there with my wife, and apply them to what I'm doing in my job now? And working with others in this in this very different place, it's that connection between the then and the now, which I think helps us grow as not just as leaders but as people. Well, and I think too sometimes that we um, we anticipate that crucible moments will be these big, huge yeah. ordeals, and maybe they are. But for me, some of my crucible moments have just been conversation, quiet conversations. That's right. That you might never think another thing about except for the timing of them or whatever, there's something about them that become very important, usually not right at the time, but later as you reflect on them. That's right. That's right. And if you don't write them down, those will be lost, not just to you, but to others, as well as the benefits of those, of those moments. Scott Russell Sanders, he's a uh, Midwestern writer, written a lot of memoirs and essays. He visited our campus a couple of years ago and talking to our students, he said, you know, there are a lot of things that we do in our daily lives that other people could do as well, including our jobs. Um, but one thing no one else can do is write about our own lives and live our lives for us. That is the one thing that is unique to us that no one else can do. Um, so it's, in a way, a kind of sacred responsibility uh, for us to be stewards of that life and to take account of it pass on its meaning to others, benefit from it ourselves in our daily lives. Yeah, that's great advice. That, that's uh, um, that's the, the thought to help 
break through some of that fear that maybe stops you from thinking, oh, what do I have to say that would really be useful? That's right. You know, you don't even ask that question. You just say uh-huh. it. <laughs> you just dive in, and you make time for it. Again, you make it as important as anything else that you're doing, um, just like exercise. What's next for you then, John? Do you have another memoir in the um, in the bake in the oven? I guess. Well, I I hope so, um, and I'm doing a lot of journaling right now to try to discover what that is. Um, I think I'm going to uh, maybe write about uh, my father's work a little bit. He was a lawyer, uh, did a lot of uh, pro bono work for the poor, uh, and I was kind of around the margins of that world growing up. And I'm very interested in that kind of law work and the stories of those people uh, that my dad worked with and others are working with. So I think I might be going somewhere with that. But I don't That'd know. Be very Who knows what will happen. That's part of the adventure of journaling and writing. You just you never know where it's going to lead you. Uh-huh. And then um, for our audience, where could they find out more information about um, the books you've already written? Well, absolutely. You can go to my webpage, which is www. John T. Price with an H dot com. It'll describe all my books and of course you can get them at all fine bookstores everywhere. <laughs> John T. Price. John John with an H. T. Yeah. Price. And um, and you said you can also find them on Amazon? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Well, great. I, um, it's just been um, fantastic having you on the show, John. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. Any final um, words of advice or tips for our listeners? Keep writing. That's the Keep biggest piece of advice get I have. started. <laughs> <laughs> As in my case. Yes. Now, we'll be talking later about that, John. Okay. We'll get yeah, you started. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Can you be my accountability partner? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I like that idea. Journaling partners like exercise partners. Well, you know, it's um, I when we talk about um, well-being as part of our leadership academy, we we talk about um, how do you take how do you develop a habit. So it would apply to our conversation on journaling as well. Yes. And I think most people need to do something. I think like 17 times before it really starts to become a habit. Yep. And so one of the strategies for for getting there is um, well, first of all, setting the goal, uh, identifying maybe what your reward will be if you achieve yeah. the goal. And then uh, another really good one is having an accountability partner, someone that will just check in with you and say, hey, you said you were going to do X. How's that going? <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. I'll be that for you, John. Awesome. Well, I, I appreciate it. And I, I really do appreciate uh, the fact that um, uh, you took some time to be on our class today. I know you even had to rearrange your um, teaching schedule a little bit. So thank your students for us as well, that, that they um, – shared uh, some of your genius with us today. <laughs> well, I'll do that. Thanks, John. And I just want to encourage our readers to um, check out your, your work. Um, here's a, um, a review from the Boston Globe. They wrote, whether he is writing about fatherhood or marriage or gardening or snow geese, readers will be captivated by his honest and funny search for meaning, for belonging, for home. So I think that pretty much sums it up. So thank you, John. I really appreciate you and... Um, Uh, for sharing uh, some of your uh, wisdom and experience with us today. Thank you, John. So, um, and thank you, um, audience, for uh, being with us today. Uh, Appreciate uh, you tuning in, and uh, please 
Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 4 p.m. Central time for Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.